0: Ephesians 6, verse 5. Let's read it together. And you read down with me out loud to verse 9. Let's read it all out loud together. Verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. Thank you for the scriptures. I do pray that you would help us today uh, to get what we need from the Bible. And from the word brought forth today. I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to not be in the way or a hindrance to your work. I pray that you would uh, speak through me. Lord, I, I need your help. God, I pray that you would uh, impart to me what is needed this morning. And Lord, I thank you for the joy it is to preach. Lord, I pray that you would help me to, uh, to not just do it because it's Sunday but rather because there is a need and I have a burden and there is a passion behind what's being said. I pray that you would bless all that is said and done in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. And how many of you work outside the home? Can I see a raise of hands? You work outside the home. That's good. Now you can put your hand down. How many of you work inside the home? Okay. That might be hands on both of those, you know. And uh, some are stay-at-home moms, and some maybe uh, moms work just as hard, if not twice as hard in some cases, or three times as hard. And uh, working as a stay-at-home mom is not a joke. And I got an extra uh, reminder a couple weeks ago when my wife was out of town, and I came down sick while she was out of town as well. Now, she took the two-year-old But she left me with our oldest and our second oldest, seven and five. And I had to make sure that they were ready to go for school, and uh, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday we came to church, and then Sunday I got sick. And it was kind of funny. They were downstairs Sunday morning. I was sicker than a dog. And uh, Brother Ben preached for me. I'm so thankful that he did that. And I I came downstairs. I had a high-temperature Uh, chills, body aches, nausea, everything, you know, just feeling horrible, and uh, just hoping I can make it back up the stairs, you know, I came down to get some Tylenol, and um, the kids were sitting there in the living room, it was about eight o'clock in the morning, and I said, kids, I am very, daddy is very, very, very sick, and Callie said, okay, daddy, how about our breakfast? (laughs) I said, there's something in the kitchen, have at it. You know, there was some banana bread, I think, left over. And I I felt horrible because I couldn't take care of them like I wanted to, like I should. But, uh, you know, stay-at-home moms work very hard, and they don't get any of the credit hardly. And, uh, you know, we're going to have Mother's Day in a couple weeks, and we'll do some nice things. But the day in and day out, the week in and week out aspect of being a mom... And also being a dad uh, and, and working outside the home. There's things that moms don't know that dads have to do. And there's things that dads do that d- uh, moms do that dads don't know about and so on. And, uh, but work, my friend, is good for us. We're going to talk about that word today, work, and what it means. Uh, work was ordained by God before the fall of man. Work has become hard and less productive since the fall, but work is still a blessing to us. It's a blessing to man. God gives the birds their food. Think about this. God gives the birds their food, but he doesn't throw it into their nests. Okay, God provides for us, but he doesn't throw it into our nest. We have to go out and provide we, in the sense that we have to go and gather. But God is the one that really provides for us. And God even gives us the strength to go out and work. Now, there's so many people in this world who hate work. They hate their job. I understand, you know, some might say this morning, well, I don't exactly love work. (laughs) I don't love going to my job. But I want you to maybe help. Maybe we could get some help this morning to change our attitude towards work, okay, in general. But some people hate their jobs. Um, They've come to think of work as almost just a bad four-letter word. Uh, There are three kinds of workers. For example, when a piano needs to be moved, there's somebody that pulls the piano there's somebody that pushes the piano, and then there, there's somebody that just carries the bench, okay? And uh, that's the kind of jobs, you know, the, uh, uh, that some people just say, I don't, I don't really want to do much. I'll, I'll show up, but I really don't want to contribute. There's a sign in the store that read, no help wanted. As two men passed by, one said to the other, you should apply, you'd be great. Um, so many people are working just for retirement. You know, some people are working for the weekend, just want to get out of work, you know, just want to uh, put my time and get my 40 hours in and then go home or go enjoy the weekend or I'm living for retirement. I can't wait to retire, you know. The sad, is, sad thing is that when they retire, many times people, uh, when they stop working, they either become depressed or they die. And that's because work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. And work is something we need to continue to do. Most of the people I know that are retired from their normal job, they actually work harder in retirement than when they did at their normal job. So we never can get away from it. It's not a curse. Uh, It's just part of life. Work was before the fall, but work was... Also, as Isaiah envisions it, it's after Christ's return, after he comes back to earth. Um, The Bible says in Isaiah 2.4, The nations will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Weapons of war someday will be turned into farm implements. There's going to be work in the perfect world. Did you know that? When Jesus rules and reigns, there's going to be work to do. Uh, We better start to like work because work is here to stay. And with God's help, you can put joy and zeal into your work. Maybe you have a mundane job. Maybe you have one of those jobs that's just You know, it's just repetitive and it's just nothing ever changes. But even in that job, God can give you joy and can give you uh, zeal. Number one this morning, I want us to see, if you would, see your work as an opportunity to glorify God. See it as an opportunity to glorify God. Look at Verse number 5 in our text. Servants. Now he starts with the, the servant and not the master. Just as he started with the children and not the parents, right? In verse 1. Verse number 5, look at it. Servants. Now, how many of you, you said you work, so you could probably put yourself in that. I'm a servant, you know. I serve. And uh, even, even you as moms and dads, you serve your children. Moms. You're serving somewhere. So, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, As unto Christ. Go with me to chapter 5, verse 21. Might be just a page over, but Paul starts this whole idea before talking to husbands and wives, before talking to children and parents, before talking to masters and servants. He says in verse 21, chapter 5, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's why he says to the children, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. There's a good Reason for us to serve our masters. And that is because it is as unto the Lord. It is God's will for us to work. He, so he says, he says, do it uh, with fear and trembling as unto Christ. But then he says this phrase before that, he says in, or in between, he says in verse 5, chapter 6, look at it, in singleness of your heart. In singleness of your heart. That means it's a simple, sincere desire to do what must be done. Have you ever worked at a a, a task and, um, you know, we just kind of knew it had to get done, but we kind of got bored and we started doing other things, procrastinating what really needed to get done? And in all reality, we wasted hours when that one simple task only took 10 minutes. I've been there. I've been there recently, okay? And there's times where something will just take just a few minutes. One day, and then another day, that same task will take hours. Just because we didn't get in to get it done. But also, I think... Not only is there a need to just get done what needs to get done, but Paul says we need to do it with singleness of heart. We need to do it with purpose and with direction and with a goal in mind and as unto the Lord. Because our work might be for another man, but in our heart it can be done unto the Lord. It's as unto Christ. If you would see it there, as unto Christ. He says, verse 7, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Amen? When we submit to our bosses and to our authorities, and everybody has those. Amen? How many of you don't have an authority? You don't answer to anyone. Raise your hand. Please don't raise your hand, actually, because we'll find out who, the, who they are. That would be. We all have to submit to somebody. You drive a car, you submit to the laws of the road, amen, and, uh, or I hope you do. You hope I do. A lot of motorcycles out there, aren't there? Saw that yesterday, amen? Stirred a passion within my heart to get mine w- running. Praise the Lord, it got charged up, ready to go. You know, after the winter, you know, winter is hard on a bike if it's not, you know, I don't know much about keeping one, so I got it going, though and got out on the road. It was nice to get out there and ride yesterday. It's a blessing. But we have to submit to the law of the road. Because if I were to just go out there on Howell Avenue where it's 30 miles an hour and go 60 miles an hour, that might be fun, but it's against the law. And uh, it's also dangerous. That's why it's against the law. Amen? And so we need to serve our bosses and submit to our bosses and authority. And when we do that, we in effect are submitting to Christ. You don't have to agree with every rule. I don't agree with every law. (laughs) There's a lot of laws that are even against Scripture. And that's where we do submit 100% to God. And we say we're not going to go against God to submit to man's law. But many of the laws, praise God, in this country, are still in line, even with what God would have us do. Sad to hear this morning about one of the students at a, a former students at a school in the area that we work with was killed. And today, if you would pray with me, we're going to be going up at four o'clock and holding a service there. Uh, at one of the, the the campuses of Academy of Excellence. And uh, not even specifically for... We were already going to have a service there. We're going to be doing some work with the teens and the high school so that they have a church. Many of those kids don't have a church. They go to the school. Praise God, it's a Christian school. They hear the gospel preach. Many are getting saved, but they don't have a church. Almost a 1,000 students. So today, we were already going to start. But in some ways... This, this makes it a lot more serious as to what we're doing, and uh, we pray that God would work in the hearts of these kids. But the laws of our land are here to help us, and we need to be careful that we're not violating the laws just because we don't want to do it. But if it does go against Scripture, against God, then we have our first... Responsibility, and that is to our Creator, to God. But submit to your boss, submit to your authority, of course, within the parameters of Scripture. And our job is an opportunity to worship God and to magnify and glorify Jesus. Number one, see your work as an opportunity to glorify God, It's an opportunity to worship God. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. If we took this approach to our work, it would change the environment that we work in drastically. Our work environment would improve people would notice people would glorify god because of your life and your impact may may others see jesus in us may he come through our life may he uh be magnified through our life that others would see the lord jesus christ and glorify our father which is in heaven Would God be glorified in your workplace, amen? And by the way, God would be glorified if you did that, and you might even get a raise. So many times we don't, we, uh, by the way, the best workers should be born-again believers. Amen? I think that sometimes God gets a bad rap. Christianity gets a bad rap because of our work ethic. But if you would just put God first, you would have a much better place to work. You might even get a raise. Your whole attitude about work and even life would improve and others around you, it is contagious. Your boss might even have a good day. Wouldn't that be a blessing? So many times we say, man, my boss is the worst, you know. I just don't like him. He's not very nice. And as your boss, he's not the the best to work for. He might be even saying, you know, I wish I had some workers that would be easy to lead and would just take what I tell them and just do their jobs. Because guess what? Your boss has a boss. He has somebody he has to answer to. And when you don't perform the way that you're supposed to at work, he has a bad day too. He has to give an account for why you're not doing what you're doing. He might be saying, I wish I had, you know, there's a a couple of Christians that work for me, and I wish that they would just be a good Christian at work. And if if you would change your attitude, it would glorify God and you might get a raise. Your work is an opportunity to glorify and worship your Savior. Don't complain about the country if you don't vote. (laughs) Don't complain about your workplace if you have a a stinking attitude when you go in on Monday. Amen? Number two this morning, see your work as a responsibility. Verse 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. There are two kinds of people who uh, do the work and then those that take the credit. They do, some do the work and some take the credit. Try to be in the first group. Guess what? There's less competition in the group that works. There's more competition in the group that takes all the credit. A lot of people want to, you know, oh, well, you know, I, I would do it again if they would give me some kind of recognition. You know, every time you go in and, and your boss says, good job. I'm glad that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing here. This is great. You're really a, an asset to the company. And uh, then, then the next week you don't do what you're supposed to do. And, you, and their boss says, why, why aren't you doing this? You were doing such a good job last week. He's like, well, you didn't give me any credit this week. I give you a paycheck. Do your job. All right? It would be amazing to see what could be done if it didn't matter who got the credit. Amen? And in the workplace as well as in the work of God. So he says there, not with eye service, not to be seen of men. Uh, that's what men pleasers do but as a servant of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. See, it's the heart that matters to God. God, God is looking at what man cannot see. And he sees not only what we do, but he sees why we do it. He knows why we do what we do. And that's, that's where we are needing to grow. The intentions, the uh, motivations, not so much what we do, but why we do it. See, somebody said one time, if you take care of your character, character is who you are when nobody else is watching. If you take care of your character, then your reputation will take care of itself. See, we're so busy uh, with our own little personal, you know, PR program. Oh, you know, somebody was spreading a rumor. Did you hear about what they said about me? I just want to let you know that wasn't true. People are going to say all kinds of things about us, okay? They're going to do it. And the more you do, the more productive you are, the more people will talk. You know what they say? If nobody's talking about you you must not be doing anything (laughs) even good things I'm talking about when you're being productive when you're being a good worker when you're being a good servant of God when you're ministering when you're out there uh, sticking your neck out people are going to talk but if you take care of your character who you are on the inside why am I doing this what is my motivation if you have the right motivation then it doesn't really matter what people say and think okay so if we get if we get our relationship with god right and we do what we're doing because we want to please god then guess what we're going to please god we're going to honor him and glorify him and then we're going to also be a productive person in our workplace and in the field where god has put us verse number 7 The worker should be regarded or regard his life as having been ordered by God for a good and wise purpose. Verse 7, "...with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Whatever a man does that is right, for that, he shall be appropriately rewarded. So many people want to show up after the work is done and say, "Well, where's my cut? You know, what do I get out of this? You know, uh, it's be there from the beginning to the middle to the end. See your work through to the end. So many people quit, and then when everything, it, you know, when things are not going as they should be, you know, you know, ah, I'm I'm out. You know, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And then, as soon as the people that stayed get everything fixed and back to where it should be, then we jump on and say, Yeah, I was there from day one. But you didn't stay through the end. We want to take credit for things that we haven't done because that's human nature. But God says, You will be rewarded according to what you've done, and it will be appropriate. And whether, uh, whether we receive it of the Lord or we receive it of men, God is keeping, credit, uh, keeping account, and he will give us credit where credit is due, and he, will, he is keeping score. Uh, did you know, let me ask you this question, did you know that your job is really a partnership with God? Even if it's a secular job, it's not a punishment. We've already talked about that. God works too. One of the first portraits of God in the book of Genesis is a God who is working and fashioning a world in his wisdom. God is portrayed as a creator. He is the creator. But in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, that is how he is portrayed. He has initiative. He has ingenuity. He is an uh, entrepreneur, if you would. He is a worker. He is also the first farmer. Did you know that, God? God planted the Garden of Eden. He's a farmer. How many of you got your garden already planted? Raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you are going to do that today? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. Mrs. Hoover actually, uh, wasn't planning on saying this, but she's got a, a, a bunch of things that she's planting, and she started inside. And then hopefully those things will sprout and we'll be able to plant them out in the garden. And, but, you know, all of those things, we, we say, well, you know, why do we have to work? Well, God's design is work. He's a worker and we're created in his image and so we're workers. It's good for us. God also gives us the pattern in Genesis for how to work and when to work. Six days shalt thou Labor. And he says, take a day off. You need to rest. Now, as I'm talking about working, I also need to talk about resting. There's a need for us to not work. (laughs) And there's a need for us to take a break. All God's people said, amen. 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 All right. There's a need for us to just relax a little bit. Sometimes people are too, uh, you know, they're they're just too, they're working too much. You know, they're just, they're just a workaholic, if you would. You know, they just can't stop. That's almost... That, that's, that becomes a sin at some point. You might be saying, Pastor, I, I wasn't with you till now, but I am right with you right now, Pastor. I am listening. Okay, go back and listen to the first part of the message, all right? But I'm just telling you, you need to take a vacation if you can. And I'm not saying you have to go some extravagant vacation. You know, I, I've been on those before. One time I went on a vacation like that, okay? And uh, I came back more tired, I came back more stressed out because we had to go see everything and do everything, and we had to spend a lot of money, you know. And that was not a vacation. That was just working in a different location, okay? That was, that was not what, I, I don't believe that was what I needed, okay? Uh, there's time for traveling and doing all those things. Nothing wrong with that. But why not just take a day off every week? You notice, I was going to say, I've got all the fingers pointed back at myself, but I wasn't doing this. I was doing that. So, But I need to take a day off, too. Some people think, well, pastor, you, you only work one day a week. You, know? you only work one hour a week. Pastors only work one hour, and that's on Sunday morning. You know, a lot of pastors burn themselves out because they're not following the Scriptures. So take a day off. Take time off. Take a week off if you need to. Take two weeks off if you say, Pastor, I can't do that. Some of you do have that opportunity and you just don't take it. God knows our, our, God knows our frame. He knows how we're built. He knows what we need. And that's why he, God didn't need a day of rest. He gave us the example To show us that we need a day of rest. And so, Ecclesiastes 2.24, I want to give another verse, if you would, to uh, emphasize what I'm saying this morning. Verse 24, Ecclesiastes 2.24. If you don't get there, that's okay, just listen. There is nothing better for a man. Now, who was Ecclesiastes written by? Solomon. And what do we know about Solomon? He was a king, but he was also the wisest man who ever lived. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink. You with me so far? All God's people said, amen. Look at the person to your left and right and say, you're in the right place at the right time, amen. There's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, okay? And that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. Now, make that your life verse, okay? That's a good one. I've never heard of anyone having that as their life verse, but that would be a good one. Ecclesiastes 2.24. We were made to work. when work was made for us, if you would. Teach your kids to work. I want my kids to have a well-rounded experience. Growing up, I worked at the church. I didn't get paid for it. I worked hard at the church, too. I mean, those, those tracks weren't going to get folded by themselves. And uh, the, the carpet wasn't going to get vacuumed by itself. And uh, I worked at the church. I worked on a farm. Had to get up early in the morning. And we had cows that we weaned, little baby calves. And you'd have to get up and make, you know, Mix all the milk up and do all what you had to do four in the morning and feed those stinking cows, you know, hundreds of them. And then you would have to—they—they they didn't want to just eat once a day. No, he had to go back later and feed them again. And then he had to clean up after them. And uh, man, but working on the—you know—we've gotten away from that in our world. I know our world is urbanizing very quickly. And I'm not against that in a sense because I believe that God is doing that, okay? We see the hand of God and what he's doing. He's bringing the world to the cities. But we've lost out in this country. I know we've missed out, I think, in many ways in the blessings of the agriculture upbringing. The agricultural upbringing. We're, we're, you know, working on a farm. Working with your hands. Taking care of, uh, of livestock. Seeing life in being brought into this but also very quickly even in some cases death you know kids watch all kinds of junk on tv but you know back in the years ago when kids grew up in the farm they would see life and death uh in its rawest forms man when we took care of those calves some of those calves day old two days old three days old they didn't make it that was tough Had to work through that and process that as as a teenager, you know, watching those things happen. But it was good for me. It's good for kids to see those things and and to experience working on a farm and to produce something, to work with your hands and to see it uh, maybe turn out, you know. Farmers have have tough years sometimes. But it's good for us. I believe that's part of God's plan. Uh, But I worked at a restaurant too. When I, I, I used the term restaurant very loosely, I worked at McDonald's, okay? And <laughs> you probably had ideas of, oh, we worked at you know the Mason Street Grill or something like that, you know, or you know, something fancy. Subway, or uh, no, not Subway. Uh, Mrs. Hoover really wanted some Jimmy Johns on Thursday night, and we didn't get out of church early enough, so Friday she did get her Jimmy Johns. So, you know, we have uh, all kinds of work experience. They say that by the time somebody reaches the age 40, they've worked eight different jobs. And, you know, I heard somebody who was, who's now uh, passed away, but they were a very highly successful person. I was listening to something they said yesterday. They said they had been fired nine times in their life. Some of you have never been fired once. Uh, but you know this was a person that was a multi-multi-millionaire, but he had been fired nine times. You know, I'm just going to insert this right here. Failure doesn't have to define you. Failure is an event. Failure doesn't have to be who you become. So you just pick yourself back up and keep going. But we were made to work. I I worked uh, uh, at McDonald's, you know, and when I worked at McDonald's, they they said, all right, you're going to work back on the grill. I'm like, all right. So I learned that after two months, I said, "Move me somewhere else, please." Hey, you don't like working there? No, I love working here, but I want to work somewhere else. I want to learn and grow. And so then they moved me. All right, uh, you can work the drive-through and worked up front and worked other places. And I wanted to, to to have that experience. I worked retail jobs. You might be saying, Pastor, why are you telling all this? Because I want, I want you to understand that from the time I was a teenager, I knew before I started working, I knew I was going to be a pastor or work in the ministry, but I wanted to get a job to pay for college, but also so that I changed different jobs because I wanted to see what people went through and the experiences that people have on these different places. I worked retail jobs. I worked at Kmart. I feel old saying that, kind of, you know? <laughs> I was born at St. Michael's Hospital up on the north side, and uh, that hospital is now gone. I feel old, you know? And I worked at Kmart. I worked sales jobs. Um, I-, I worked at uh, uh, door-to-door sales. I- that's, that's tough, you know? I, I worked flooring. I did uh, flooring installs. We worked in apartments, all kinds of places, doing flooring, uh, remodeling jobs. I worked a driving job. I got my CDL and, and, and worked uh, driving school bus when I first got married. But I wanted that well rounded background, and I want that for my kids. I want my kids to have experience in life and to work hard and to be good stewards of what they gather. Okay? Uh, we need to be a good steward of all that God gives to us. Uh, number one, we see that work can be a ministry. Number two, or, or, or a, uh, a way to glorify God. Number two, we see work, we need to see your work, or you need to see your work as a responsibility. Number three, see your work as a ministry. Verse nine, and ye masters do the same things unto them. What same things? Well, verses five through eight. Do the same things unto them, the servants. Forbearing, threatening. What does that mean? Uh, Well, moderating, relaxing, loosening, uh, to even omit or cease from. Rather be kind and affectionate and just. He says, forbearing, threatening. Don't make the workplace hostile. Don't make it where you have uh, just yelling and fighting all the time. And I, I, I will admit, there's one job I haven't done. That is roofing. <laughs> uh, I haven't done concrete work, and I haven't done paving. I've heard that those jobs are, there's, the bosses are taskmasters. They're, those are tough places to work. Because you're dealing with time constraints. And a lot of money. And a lot of just really rough people are working in those environments. Construction, those types of jobs. That's a tough place to work. But, you know, even the grace of God can be brought into that workplace, amen, and should be in that workplace, amen. It doesn't mean just that they were supposed to forbear threatening. It didn't mean that they were to remit punishment, to not not have, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, if somebody didn't show up to work for five days, you know maybe you need to let them go. You know that, that type of thing. That's not to say they couldn't do that. But to not have a temper, to not have the disposition of governing in terror. That's what they were used to, actually, in Paul's day. They, the, the slaves in Rome, there were 60% of the people were slaves. The people were, knew what it was to be oppressed by a taskmaster. And he said, don't be like that. He says, uh, do the same things unto them. Uh, the word same things here seems to refer that he had, what he said in the previous sentences, right? But he's saying also not just the same things, but do it in the same spirit. Reciprocate in the same spirit to your servants. Uh, Each and every one of us has a boss. We all have somebody that we have to give an account to. Each of us has somebody also who follows us. And answers to us, right? How many of you have children? How many of you have uh, employees? How many of you are ever put over another employee in a project? Maybe one of your coworkers? Now you're maybe in management or doing something like that. somebody, uh, and I, I, somebody is looking to you. Somebody is following you. Even the littlest child in this church is served by the nursery workers and is served by teachers. Our ministry today is to reciprocate the love and spirit of Christ back to those who are serving us or working for us. It is our ministry. See, some people say, I'm going to work my way up to being the boss so that I don't have to give an account to anybody, so that I don't have to answer to anybody. So that I can just make the rules and, and everybody will bow, bow down and kiss my big toe, you know? And I'm going to be the boss. Guess what? When you get to be the boss, you learn very quickly that it's not going to go well for you if you just demand that everybody bow down and kiss your big toe. You have to, and it's not about being insincere. We got to be careful. We need to guard against insincerity, where we're just flattering everybody and we're just kind of, uh, you know, building people up falsely, you know, uh, giving them some kind of uh, ego, uh, you know, uh, trying to inflate their ego so that they will be a better productive worker for us. No, 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 no. It's a ministry and it needs to be done with sincerity and it needs to be done with the love of Christ and with the grace of God. And this cannot be done, my friend, in the flesh. This is not just some kind of, you know, swarmy uh, winning friends and influencing people. And we're all just going to work together and have this nice little environment that we all work in. No, the point is that we would serve people as we serve Jesus Christ, yes, serve your boss, but then bosses, that you would serve those that serve you in the love of God. Showing the love of Christ. They don't have to be saved for you to do that. Because the point of all of this, all of this, is that you would win people to the Lord. That they would glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's why he says there in verse number 9, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Act towards your servants as you would want God to act towards you. Wait, that sounds like the golden rule. Do as unto others as you would have them do unto you. This kind of goes back to what we talked about on April 7th the two way street of submission. That is the biblical key which unlocks the treasure of joy and victory in every relationship. Husbands and wives, husbands love your wives, wives submit to your husbands, children obey your parents, fathers provoke not your children to wrath, servants serve as unto Christ, masters do the same thing to them. How about you this morning? Do you have joy in your workplace? Do you have joy in that relationship with the uh, master-servant relationship? Is um, Is everything going well in your workplace? And let me ask you this question. Is there something that you could do to improve the environment that you work in? Is there some way that you could bring the love of God And the Spirit of Christ into your workplace. It's a worship. It's a worship. Work is worshiping God. And that's why it wasn't part of the curse. Because God is glorified in our work. Work. Not just a bad four letter word. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, Lord, I do pray that you would bless this day. I thank you for it. I pray that you would help us, Lord. We need, we need not just to be better workers, but Lord, we need, to be, we need to be the kind of worker that you want us to be. To be honest. Not just, not just productive, but to be honest and sincere. Doing things as unto the Lord. From the heart, not with eye service. With the right motivation. Lord, help us. Because we're not, I I know if we just try to be a better worker, that might or might not fizzle out at some point. Because we're doing things in the flesh. And Lord, you told us not to rely on the flesh. So help us to have your spirit. Help us to, um, Lord, to do things in a supernatural way. We need help to love our bosses. We need help to love our employees. We need help to love our neighbors. We need help to love our children and our parents. Lord, we cannot, we cannot do this the right way without your Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that this church would call upon you right now to say, God, help me, help me, help me to do right, help me to live right, Help me to take what I've learned and to grow. Help me to apply it. I pray that that would be all of us today.